Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Jannah Talk with your host here, Ahmed Rehan. So, again, guys, this week we're coming from live from Marmaris and a beautiful masjid here. I don't know exactly what area we're in, but as a tourist, it's an absolute amazing facility to have. Now, <laughs> what's really surprising in the UK, there's a lot of masajid that will, they will close between salah times. You know, Zuhur, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, they'll close the doors. I guess it's for security reasons. Actually, I know for a fact it is for security reasons. They can't just leave the masjid open. However, here in Turkey, where, where I am at the moment, the imam and everyone else was, was just absolutely fine with me just staying in the mosque. I mean, they were very welcoming. I expected that they would say, can you like step outside for, you know, till next salah? Um, right now it's in between uh, Maghrib and Isha. Um, it's exactly 7 p.m. here. And the masjid is to myself. They just, everyone left, turned down the main lights. So I'm sitting here in a nice, in the masjid hall and it's nice and quiet, beautiful kind of lighting, it's very peaceful. And that's one thing that's really different here. In the UK, you would be asked to leave. <laughs> you just couldn't stay in. And this is just a small neighborhood masjid as well. It's not like the grand central masjid where you would think they've got 24 hour security. So that's a really nice bonus and a surprise. I didn't expect to find this facility open all day. Second of all, other things in Turkey. Alhamdulillah is uh, a Muslim country, so the food is, is all halal. You don't have to worry about what you're eating. The, we keep getting told that the majority of population is Muslim. Now, do we see that in reality? Unfortunately, I was disappointed to find out when I made it to the masjid here that in this local community here, beautiful masjid, there was, for Maghrib, there was five individuals, including the Imam. Just five. That's such a small number, given that this is a Muslim country, given the, the size of this masjid, the purpose built, and only five people showed up, which was I was very surprised and kind of disappointed in that, to be honest with you, because in the UK, we have lots of neighborhood masjid all over the place, and in that community where I'm from, there's about a thousand Muslims, and for that one masjid, a thousand Muslims, and out of that thousand, we get maybe about 10, 15, 20 show up from Maghrib and, and Asia. So I thought that was a, a really bad ratio. 20 people out of, a out of a community with maybe a thousand Muslims and a thousand families. However, in this scenario here, that's even worse. You're in a Muslim country with a purpose-built masjid with, oh, this is the thing, with a van that's played loudly that's, you could hear it from a mile around. The adhan is, is, so you can't forget that there's salah taking place here and a beautifully well-lit masjid and everything and still only five people show up, including the imam. SubhanAllah. I think the imam does the adhan as well. He does the adhan because um, I think he's the first one here. But SubhanAllah, that's, that's quite disappointing, to be honest with you. Yeah, that means what we're doing in the UK, we're pretty steadfast, given that there is no adhan, there's no purpose-built masjid in the local community, and still we get those kind of numbers. 
and that's quite impressive. So when I go back home to the UK, I will appreciate the effort that we're putting in, com in comparison to other places where it's so much easier to practice, however they don't. SubhanAllah. And I've heard this a lot from, from people that come to visit us in the UK, how steadfast we are and, and how we hold steadfast to the, to the deen, even though everything around us is screaming the, the opposite way. There's so much freedoms in those countries in the UK where people can dress as they want, they can they can do everything they, they please, most of the food is non-halal, and yet we somehow manage to practice our deen in other countries where it's so easy to practice deen, it's actually harder not to practice the deen. You know, the adhan is calling you and still people don't practice. So subhanAllah, I'm going to take this back and really appreciate what we have in the UK. And if you are listening to this and you're from a, a majority Muslim country and you're not practicing yet, you should really think about that. It's so much easier where you are to be able to practice and you hear the adhan and the masajid and everything all your food is halal and it's so much easier and if you're coming from a country that is minority muslim and you are able to practice islam subhanallah you must be very very steadfast where the environment around you is pointing against islam and you are still able to practice subhanallah subhanallah thank allah has given you that steadfastness and that keen desire to practice islam subhanallah so this is one of my big takeaways um, is that slightly disappointing on a positive note on a positive note the the hotel we're staying in is majority uk people uk non-muslim people and the scenario happened where we were myself and my wife were getting into a lift and this lift is, is a very slow lift and it only fits four people so it's very small and we were waiting for the lift and there was two other um, non-Muslim people behind us and they had, at the time I didn't think much of this, but they had two cups in their hand and they were cups of alcohol. And when the, when the lift came down and we, you know, we had been waiting a couple of minutes, when we stepped in, they said, this is subhanAllah, which is such, just subhanAllah. They said, um, no, it's okay, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. Now, in this scenario, we were like thinking, what, what are you talking about? Now, I was wearing my full juba outfit with a tope as well, with the hat. So I was wearing a full Muslim attire. So they were, then they had alcohol in their hand. So they were, didn't want to offend me by getting into the lift with me because it's quite a small lift. But subhanAllah, first of all, I wasn't offended in the first place because at the end of the day, we're in, somebody having alcohol in the lift with me does not offend me. Um, so I wasn't going to take offence, but the fact that they had thought that might have taken offence and they were willing to wait for the next lift to come, subhanAllah, that shows the kind of hospitality, the kind of the thinking that they don't want to cause offence. There's so, so few scenarios or people back in the UK that would, would think like that. I just don't think that would happen in the UK. People would, yeah, people would just, you know, they would be smoking and drinking in your face and they would say, hey, it's a free country. And I actually think it's down to the individual person. You know, we started speaking to them. It was another couple and we spoke to them in the lift and even outside. They were from, they were from Wales. They were from Wales. Um, and the subhanAllah, it was an Indian man and a, a, a British woman. 
And yeah, they were just saying that they didn't want to cause offence, even though that they drank alcohol, they didn't want to cause offence to us, myself and my wife. And so subhanAllah, look at these non-Muslims, look at the etiquettes that they have for us um, and the respect that they have for our religion. And, and because I was wearing the full attire, subhanAllah, this happened just yesterday. And other days, I might not be wearing the Muslim attire, just wearing a, a shorts or t-shirts. And when I put on the Muslim attire, I got treated completely, not completely differently, but people were, for example, the, the people that work in the hotel, the waiters, they were greeting me with assalamu alaikum, because of course you're wearing the attire. It's obvious what you stand for. And whilst you're wearing the Muslim attire, whatever it is that you're wearing, whether it's a Muslim sister wearing a headscarf or, a, or the man, wearing a full outfit um, you are representing the the dean in that time so therefore your your character um, and your your words and your actions have to you're representing a, a whole nation a whole religion at that time even though it's not right that people judge Islam based on a few individuals but at that time you are representing the, the whole ummah and subhanAllah, it was nice that people were giving us greetings, assalamu alaikum, of course, a few more extra second looks. People are probably thinking, what is he wearing? But because I'm in a majority Muslim country, you don't really feel any kind of, you don't feel strange or any pressure or anything like that. You're just like, yeah. And plus it's hot here, it's 20 plus degrees and it's in, um, it's late in the year. It's so it's November, December time and it's yeah, it's still 20 degrees so you want to wear something to cool anyway because of that temperature so subhanallah um, so yeah, it was, that's my, my feedback so far on, on Turkey so now on to this week's subject this week's subject we have three topics of discussion first one is does the Quran truly have 6,666 verses? there's a lot of debate in, um, in the Muslim circles regarding this so we look at the evidence for this so that's number one does the Quran have that number of verses number two if the Quran is written in translation without, without any Arabic words or letters in it can it still be considered a Quran and number three can a Quran be given to a non-Muslim someone who hasn't reverted to Islam can we give them a copy of the Quran. I hope you find this episode very interesting. So, the big question is this. How do Muslims like us, who live busy lives in non-Muslim countries, remain strong in our faith and practice Islam while being surrounded by temptations and distractions? How do we reconnect with Allah and strive towards Jannah as one community of believers? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Ahmed Rehan and welcome to Jinnah Talk. There was a question that how many verses, so it's known, it's famous to it's known that the Quran has 6,666 verses. Um, does this have a reality to it? Is this actually 6,666? Then it said that there's different, um, there's different narrations about this from the different uh, imams and scholars, uh, different uh, various imams. And um, 
some of them are different from 6666 so the Kufi the scholars of Kufa um, the Kufa is a place in Iraq so uh, great scholars in the past have have been developed there mashallah so they have their opinions of 6236 however there is a book called Tuhfa Hufad and um, gift for those whom have memorized the Quran and there there is a narration um, related to Aisha radiallahu anha which um, which contains the same amount of verses yani 6666 and it also mentions the reason there as well maybe um, we can search the book and uh, try to uh, come to inshallah if I can find the book inshallah I'll try to share with the, the brothers next week as well the reason for this but however um, in a nutshell we know that there's difference um, uh, in the uh, there's a difference between this uh, the the imams um, of with regards to the verses in the Quran and then another question was that to to just to print out the translation of the Quran without the Arabic is it permissible any translation just in uh, just to print out the translation either in Arabic or in Urdu or in a different language so it's mentioned that jurists normally um, don't allow this and it's difficult to call it as Quran then the, the, to call it Quran without Arabic is difficult the original has to be uh, the original has to be there, the original Arabic along with the translation would then be classified and called the Quran otherwise a mere translation you won't call that the Quran but yes you'll call it the translation of the Quran because for, for the Quran it needs the Arabic words there as well for it to be called Quran can Quran can just the translation of the Quran be given to uh, someone who's not yet a believer so then say if if you don't fear this person uh, degrading or disgracing the Quran or disrespecting the Quran or the translation of the Quran in any way or form then for for uh, for dawa purposes or teaching and learning purposes there is no harm in giving them the translation of the Quran so, so that they can benefit from it and mashallah many people whom have reverted to Islam have reverted to Islam through the translation of the Quran just by reading the translation of the Quran they felt a light in their hearts which brought huge changes in their lives so like we mentioned before as well may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to study the Quran and gain the nur and the light of the Quran Amin. Inshallah, you enjoyed that episode and gained benefit. Please join us in our Facebook group by clicking the link which is in the bio of this episode. In there, you'll find over 350 Muslims. We're sharing information, knowledge, how to better our deen, family tips, and photos relating to this episode as well. Until then, I'll speak to you in the group. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.